I went to the whole course on Monday. Tuesday, I found some YouTube content on Angular. On Wednesday, I was like, oh man, I have one more day left. The best way to like learn is just to start a project. One of the questions that they did ask is, how long did it take you to put that project together? And I was like, maybe, well, seven, eight hours. Welcome to the Scrimba Podcast. On this weekly show, we interview recently hired junior developers, senior developers, and hiring managers to help you learn to code and get your first job in tech. Today, we're talking to Johnny Proano. Johnny had a long, happy, and successful career in sales. When I say long, I mean like 18 years. But something was missing. He discovered coding because he's also a DJ, and at one point he needed a website and decided to explore that interest further. At first, he thought that to be a software engineer, he should have a CS degree, and he started studying for it, but then ran out of funding. After a coding bootcamp and Scrimba's front-end career path, he started applying for jobs and getting rejected. Eventually, he landed an opportunity while at the most unlikely of places, at his daughter's school, during a father-daughter dance. And then he had to learn a new technology in only four days. Yeah, you heard it right. This is a fun and exciting story with a lot of actionable advice. You're listening to the Scrimba Podcast. Let's get into it. Years ago, I was one of the Geek Squad agents and a few of my team members there were like jiggling around with like C++ and I just kept hearing stuff like that around. At the same time, I was getting into DJing, which is like another passion of mine and love music and all that stuff. And I needed to come up with a website. And one of my buddies that was also up here with me, I'm um, working at the same spot. He was doing a computer science degree. And honestly, back then I was like, I don't even know what that is, but okay, <laughs> sure. And he's like, let me, uh, let me help you out. I'll build this for you. So I saw, you know, some of the stuff um, on the side on there, but uh, nothing came about with that website. And, you know, I kind of had to figure out some other like avenues in that sense. And so, uh, you know, my DJ, I guess, career at that time was like flourishing and I was getting a lot of gigs and I was just looking for stuff online and I found uh, some like drag and drop stuff, you know, no code necessary, just build your website. And, you know, I did the job, you know, at the time, but I was limited to some things, you know, like I, I saw some people's websites and I was like, oh man, this is, you know, how does this work? And I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I started to like just playing with some of the stuff um, that I saw online. And that's kind of like the first instances of kind of where that came about right i think the last part what made me even more interested and motivated to kind of just take it a step further um was like in a few years later i was watching the news a spanish network and they were talking about uh, this particular kid michael Seaman, and how he you know was going through some rough times his parents uh and nonetheless he created this app that he built from scratch learning to code at home youtube and stuff like that and became super successful. I think he got hired at Facebook at like 17 or something. Like that. Yeah. So that motivated me to kind of be like, well, you know, if he can do it, you know, I can do it. <laughs> and so type of thing. It's such a cool, genuine story. Yeah. Michael Saman is a bit of a legend, I guess. I think the app he made was called Four Snaps. Yeah, Four Snaps. And then he got the attention of Mark Zuckerberg, who then hired him at Facebook. And I think they jokingly called him Facebook's teen in residence because he was only 18 at the time. 
And then, yeah, he went on, I think, to take a part in Instagram stories and just had massive influence. That's that's really cool that he inspired you. Yeah. No, and like I said, I just stumbled upon it. And I mean, I can say kind of like changed my career, changed my life at the same time. So you mentioned you were working at Geek Squad, which sounds really familiar to me, but I also don't exactly know what it is or what it does. What was the company and what were you doing there at the time? You heard of Best Buy and then uh, Geek Squad, uh, I think it was uh, out of London and got acquired or maybe they merged and they opened up Geek Squad locations in every retail store. And at the time I was in sales uh, part time, I started off with and then kind of moved up the chain and I got into Geek Squad. I'm a little bit as a leader. I mean, I was very interested in it. They sold consumer electronics like laptops and stuff like that. Correct. And the geeks were particularly anytime Best Buy sold, you know, whatever electronic it was, mobile like the service center, I guess you say it now within the store. How did you enjoy doing sales? I was good. I mean, I loved it. Um, I loved it for such a long time. Uh, like I said, I kind of went up the ranks and it's funny how I got into sales, but it was by mistake, I guess you want to call it. But it's what it is. It got me there and I went up the ladder. How long for? Uh, I think it was, I'm trying to think, 18 years. Well, okay. All right. Okay. That's a long time in that career for sure. So I was there for quite some time in different levels, part-time, full-time, you know, all the way up to management and just kind of pivoted different directions to different companies and sales. And, and don't get me wrong, loved it. It was a huge part of my life. I think I like took a lot of the stuff that I learned there, like the networking pieces, being able to talk to people. It sounds like most of your career wasn't retail necessarily, but when you were doing retail, I feel like that's one of those experiences that's very unique because you just deal with so many different types of people, first of all, and then there will of course be difficult people from time to time. And then you have to be so patient, so adaptive, you know? I feel like these are skills that you only learn in those kind of jobs, right? There's always those customers and clients that make it difficult, but you know, you find ways and you find, you know, like the guess the good um, and turn it around. That's the point, you know, that, you know, being in sales. No, I love that attitude. Well, it kind of begs the question, why did you switch to coding after what sounds like both a successful and quite a happy career in sales for almost two decades? I know, right? Like I said, I, I love sales. I think I got to a point, and, and I don't want to bag like sales or anything like that, but I just felt like I got to a point where I just wanted to do something that was meaningful, that was going to change lives and make an impact. And I didn't find that in sales for me. I did find impact and I did make changes when it came to employees that I managed. And I think that was like my grace. I love doing that. You know, I loved helping people during that time. But, you know, when I started fiddling with the website, um, something just clicked for me at that point. That's like, oh man, this is kind of cool. And then I heard about the Michael Seaman story and I'm like, this is even cooler. And I felt like that spark in me that was like, I feel like that's something that's going to make me feel different and something's going to make me feel like I'm going to make a difference, you know, like it, it can really happen that way. So um, that was kind of that start and that spark that I needed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's cool that you got that feeling right away, that excitement around code. I had it earlier today even where I got something working and I just leaned back in my chair and I'm like, <laughs> that's cool. And you know, it doesn't really go away sometimes, but not only that, I feel like software is, and you're very like astute, I think, to zone in on this. It is one of the most impactful industries and careers right now, because the impact you had when you were a manager that you described, you can have that over here as well, right? But then in coding, there's so much peer-to-peer -peer help as well, where we're helping out people in the community or who are at the same level in a role. Software is all built on the shoulders of giants, if you see what I mean. We're all sharing each other's work and trying to move each other forward because we're all self-taught to an extent. You're always having to teach yourself new things as a developer. I feel like there's that inherent empathy around helping others. 
and that that creates impact first of all the the people side the developer side but then you know what you do with your code the impact of your code that could be world-changing potentially just to put a very grand spin on it but of course there are all kinds of flavors of applications and code you can write yeah no i definitely agree uh, i mean like i said that's that's one of the main reasons i came over here and the ability to just work with so many people you know just create stuff um you know that was just super cool to me how did you go about teaching yourself to code so back then you know i started kind of figuring out what resources were out there and the one that I found at that time was Codecademy. It just happened to pop up and I you know, just jumped on it. And I think the language that I jumped on was Swift at the time, if I remember. Um, I made like some dice game and I thought that was super cool. It wasn't like I created it all myself, but I kind of followed direction to do it. And then when it was done, you know, it was like a little small project that I just thought was pretty cool. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was the first instance. But then, you know, as things kind of flourished after that, I, I wanted to just take it a step further. During that time that I was working in sales, um, I was trying to get one of the higher positions at the time in leadership. And I had gone to school um, at ASU to get a degree. And I just happened to be in liberal studies, which helped my sales portion out of it. But in that degree, there was like uh, an extra you know, class I could take and get some extra credit on there. And I took uh, probably the worst thing ever. Um, I took C++ and that was horrible for me because it was just super hard to learn and going from Swiss Code Academy to just C++ in school and just trying to do homework. It was just a rough time, but I got the degree and it helped me out in my sales portion of it, but I still had that itch, right? Of kind of like what I need to do. So I had jumped on Scrimba initially. Um, it was just kind of exploring some of the courses. I didn't do the fun and developer path until later on, but I saw the HTML portion of it. So I just went through it. And then I decided, you know what, like maybe I need a degree in software engineering. Like that's like, that was like the big question for me. And I think that was haunting me my entire path, I guess you want to call it. Like, do I need a degree or not? I'm like, I have one already. You had the degree, but it was like a minor in C++, basically. Not really. So the C++ was just an extra class. I had liberal studies, which was kind of like a broad, and it helped me get position over um, in leadership at one of my other companies. And at the time, I didn't know how serious I was like, oh, man, can I really make a change in the career? I just wasn't sure about life at that time, <laughs> you know? And so uh, talking to my wife, I was like, you know, I think I need to go get another degree, but in software engineering, right? So I went back. I uh, signed up and it was there was this um, front end GIT GIT graphic information technology that was a lot of front end stuff so got some HTML out of it JavaScript CSS and I actually got some back end stuff too like SQL and a few other things and that degree when I jumped on it it was very helpful you know it started off I believe right when COVID was happening maybe 2019 and Come summer, I joined a something called Global Tech Experience. And for me, this was fantastic. Um, it was brought to you by a company named Podium. And they help a lot of colleges um, with their students kind of like, you know, see, you know, if you want to try out coding, let's do coding. If you want to try digital marketing, let's try digital marketing. And it's just like a three week program or something like a month program. Um, you just sign up for it during the summer and, you know, teach you a base, really basic low level like HTML, CSS stuff and kind of get your foot in the door type of thing. Um, and ASU had that. And at the same time, I was like, you know what, you get six credit hours at the end. Like, why not? You know, I'll get a little certificate. I'll get six credit hours. It goes towards my ASU degree and all that stuff. Fantastic. 
Come the fall, I get like this email that says that FAFSA is going to no longer cover me, right, for my degree. That's because I already had a degree and my FAFSA covered it for that first degree, right? So the second degree was not going to be covered for the last, I think I have a year left. Is that like a program that subsidizes the cost of the degree, basically? Correct. And so essentially you sign up for FAFSA and, you know, they loan the amount. And, you know, it you know, allows you to kind of you know, just go through school. And then after you're done with school, six months later, you know, you start paying it off. I was like, oh, my gosh, like what to do now, you know, type of thing. And I was like, I, I can't be an engineer if I don't have the degree. And that was like my thought. And that was just like the big thing. And now I know that it's OK, you know, <laughs> not to have a degree. So essentially what ended up happening, I um, I talked to somebody from that podium um, global tech experience pro that I did at ASU. She had mentioned like, hey, you know, let's connect on LinkedIn. You ever need anything? Let me know. You know, she kind of left this door open for me and I felt comfortable. So I just reached out and called and, you know, we discussed a little bit. And after talking, honestly, she like talked about this boot camp. Like it was, you know, you fit the right description. You think you're, you know, you're motivated, you're passionate and you, you know, really care. And she just feels really genuine to help out. And she really recommended um, Actualize this boot camp in Chicago. And I just went for it. I was like, you know what? I think you convinced me. And that day I just like removed myself from all my, my the rest of my classes because I wasn't going to be able to pay for it anyways. Whoa. I removed myself. I didn't get the degree. I kind of just stopped it there. Maybe one day I'll get it, but... I don't think you will. I'm just saying, like, I think you're doing great without it. I took a shot. My wife pushed me and she's like, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And I was like, okay, you know, sure, I'll do it, you know? And I think I just needed that, you know? And I went for it and joined the boot camp. And at the same time, I just like, you know what, let me just sign up for Scrimba and let me do the front end developer path. And I was just kind of doing both. Coming up, Johnny was applying to 50 jobs a week, but all he needed was a father-daughter dance. And keep in mind, like the music is pounding for the kids. It was like kids bop or something, but nonetheless, it was loud. One of the other parents, I guess, must have overheard me. But first, let's take a look at your social media posts and your reviews. Akra Dev tweeted, Just listened to the Scrimba podcast with Shona Chan and she said something that really resonated with me. People always think about the sunk cost of switching careers into tech. On the other hand, they don't think about what the costs are if they don't take that step. Oh yeah, that's a nugget of wisdom right there. Mustaf tweeted, Really enjoying the Scrimba podcast. The episode Treat Learning to Code Like an RPG with Tamash Lukesh is a must-listen. Not the latest, but it's full of valuable insights. Oh yeah, I agree. That was a good one as well. And here's a five-star review from Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, from a Stephen from the United States, and it says, Continuing to learn. I'm a recent graduate of Nashville Software School, making a transition into software development after 24 years as a pastor. The podcast has been a continual source of encouragement, and I recently signed up for Scrimba Pro to continue to develop my skills and build projects to add to my portfolio. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Wow. A career switch after 24 years. I'm really happy we get to inspire people to do that. If you would like to get a shout out on the show like these people just did, just talk about it on social media. You can post about us on X, aka Twitter, or on LinkedIn. As long as your posts contain the words Krimba Podcast, we will find them and you might end up on the show. 
You can also leave us a rating or a review in your podcast app of choice. The reviews I've been reading here lately are mainly from Apple Podcasts, but we also had some reviews from CastBox and from Podchaser. Basically, if the app where you listen to your podcasts has an option to leave a rating or review and you feel really supportive, please do so. It really helps to a small podcast like ours. And the more people hear about us, the stronger we'll become and the bigger and better guests we're going to be able to get onto the show. And now we're going back to the interview with Johnny. Johnny, the boot camp, was it sponsored or something? Or did you have to pay for it out of your own pocket? I did pay for it out of my own pocket. I only had enough for that fall semester. So I was thinking of just, you know, sticking it through until the loan wasn't going to work anymore with the school. I love the school. Don't get me wrong. It's just circumstances, you know. But I ended up using what I had left for this career or the shot. Um, and I put it towards the boot camp. Um, I was like, you know what? It's kind of like a semester. Um, it's three, four months. And, you know, we have it. Let's go ahead and invest in it and let's just try it out, you know? What was that experience like doing the boot camp alongside Scrimba? That sounds like a, an information, I don't want to call it an overload, but it does sound like a lot of information to say the least. How did you kind of structure your studies doing both? Well, initially, you know, when the boot camp was starting, I was like, oh, I really got to get my stuff together. Um, the prerequisites for the boot camp was to kind of have some basic knowledge on HTML, CSS, which I got out of ASU and the school and everything. But I really wanted to kind of like, I don't want to say be really go to the best at it because I know it takes you know, a while and just a lot of practice for it. But uh, I wanted to have a good background coming in. So I, that's what I signed up. And, you know, I think it was like a month before I started the boot camp. But then when I started the boot camp, it was a lot of hours. And so I kind of had Scrimba kind of just there and reviewing occasionally. Um, I didn't really go forward hardcore on the front end developer path until closer to the end of the boot camp, just because I was like really focused on it. And I was still working at the time. So um, it was like a nine to five. And then I would get out of work. And then at 630, the boot camp starts and I won't be out till like 11 o'clock at night. So it was pretty intense. And that was Tuesday through Sunday or something like that. Um, so it was a pretty intense boot camp. Ah, okay. So that's interesting then, because presumably as the boot camp was ending, you wanted to continue learning and it was probably quite handy that you already had Scrimba on the go. Did you sort of shift the focus then from the bootcamp to Scrimba and just kept learning on that platform? Yeah, no, I definitely shifted over. At the end of the bootcamp, Scrimba was one of the resources they recommended, which was funny because I was like already like listening to the podcast. I was like, oh. That's why they were like, are you an ambassador for Scrimba? And I was like, no, but I really like it. So I'm going to just continue on, you know, with the projects and just kind of going through the developer path. So that's kind of when I just jumped through the full throttle. Some people, they find one thing and they do that from beginning to end, right? So they might do a CS degree, they might do a boot camp, they might be self-taught on Scrimbo and just do that. But you did some school, you did some boot camp, and you did some Scrimbo. And I suppose along the way, there were a few checkpoints, right? You could say that after you've done however many semesters, then you could start applying for jobs. Some people say, when I finish the boot camp, then I'll start applying for jobs. Other people, they take it based on feeling. How did you decide you were ready to start applying for jobs and shift gears from just being a learner to being a learner who was also proactive about looking for an opportunity? 
You know what? It's, it's funny because uh, in the boot camp, it was like a Wednesday. We had a specific person that wasn't the instructor, but she kind of pushed us on working on resumes. And one of the requirements to have was your resume, you know, updated, you know, shifted to, you know, being a software engineer and in that direction. And at the same time, it was recommended that we start applying pre like before the boot camp was finished. Um, so, and they, they kind of go through it and check it for you and all that stuff and practicing and all that stuff. And um, that's what I was doing. Um, you know, there was a little system that they used to kind of uh, track how many applications you put out. Um, and so that helped me kind of get that push. Cause I, otherwise I was looking at some of those things on LinkedIn and, and, you know, indeed. And it was like, you know, five to seven years as a junior. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, you know, and like I hear in every podcast, it's like imposter syndrome kicking in every time. <laughs> that sort of five to seven year thing is just so inaccurate, but I, yeah, I can't blame anybody who sees it and gets second thoughts. Even like the ones that say like, you know, three to five, two to three, but I'm like, okay, starting off, you know, it's like, you know, what direction do I need to go? I mean, well, should I apply? Should I not apply? And you know, all these questions come about when you're doing it. And luckily I did have some direction to help me out and it kind of pushed me forward, like trying to get that hump away, you know, from the impossible things. So. Yeah. So once you decided to move ahead with it, what was your strategy in terms of getting a job? Yeah. So I, I did a bunch of stuff and I do a credit scrimba for that as well. You know, every time somebody would tell me about, um, and I think you guys just posted a podcast on the LinkedIn, like the best of LinkedIn stuff. And I remember, you know, listening to a few of those past guests and some of the stuff they've done on LinkedIn, you know, and I just started uh, like doing that, changing the title to reflect, you know, what you are looking to be, you know, like React or JavaScript. So yours might have been something to do with sales before, right? Because that's what you've been doing for 18 years. Yeah. But then you changed the heading to something to do with web development, presumably. Exactly. And the funny thing is I, I couldn't do none of that while I was in sales. Um, I was in sales all through the boot camp. Oh, you were still working during the boot camp. I forgot to ask you about that. Yeah, I was still working and um Oh, fair play. I couldn't change my LinkedIn yet though. Um, until maybe like a couple of weeks. I know there was like a lot of changes and stuff, and I just felt stuff coming. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go full throttle. You know, let me just go ahead and LinkedIn update everything. You know, they said do this. They said change this, change your, you know, your bio a little bit, add some of the languages, some of the stuff you're working on and projects. And, and I did all of that. Did it work? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do what you can, right? And some of it's demoralizing when you don't get a response back. You know, I would try different things like, you know, messaging somebody, you know, not in the sense like give me a job, more like, hey, like, you know, like I hear all the time on the podcast, like, hey, I saw you did this, you know, this is kind of a pretty cool project. Can you walk me through and then kind of try to build something like that. But at the same time, though, I was still applying. I think it was like maybe 50 applications a week that I was doing. Um, I would just spend like two hours, three hours just kind of going through. And at first I was kind of being like picky, like, oh, you know, this is not going to be me. This is, you know, this is, they're asking for way too much. And that's kind of where like some of those like come in play, like five to seven years type of thing. And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work now, unless it says junior, I'm not going to apply, you know? By the way, with these jobs in a specific area or just all across America? I was looking for it to be whether in Florida where I'm at, I don't mind a commute or anything like that. Or, you know, if, if best case scenario, remote for sure. So I was kind of doing a little bit of both. That kind of makes sense how you got to 50 a week, because I feel like if it's in a local area, there just probably aren't 50 jobs a week going on the platform that are relevant to where you're at. I think if you expand it globally or even to your country, right, in your case, America, I think there's a chance, but it is still a lot of jobs to apply for every week. I know it doesn't sound like a lot relative to the number of jobs out there. 
but 50 a week is a lot. I always advocate for a slightly more like focused approach, but at the same time, I can't blame anybody for shooting the shot as well. It does work on occasion. Right. And after boot camp, I still wanted to do the front end developer path and I wanted to complete it. So I was working on that. You know, I was separating specific hours for that. And then, you know, maybe on like Tuesday or Thursday, I would do like 20 applications here, 20 applications there. Um, and on top of it, you know, I am, you know, I'm married. I do have two kids. I coach my kids' teams, soccer teams. So it's like I had to manage all that together. And, you know, it's like when you really want something, I just found ways to kind of just take care of it. And that's kind of what got me going. I just saw my kids and, you know, kind of where I'm at, like the push that I got from my wife, the path from where I was in sales to the boot camp part. I was just like, you know, I, I need to put this full throttle and just, you know, go for it, you know, and everyone supported me. So, I, you know, it just helped a lot. I'd love to learn a bit more about how you got your specific opportunity that you're working now. But what do you say we do a round of quick fire questions first? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. I was wondering, since you used to DJ, do you still DJ? Yes, I do. I moved from Chicago to Florida recently and I just finished hooking up all my stuff, honestly, yesterday. <laughs> so you're, you're like a, a dad, a husband, you're coaching the soccer team, you're learning to coach, you're starting a new job and you're DJing as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I just, I try to make time for the stuff that I really love to do, you know, so. Do you prefer front end or back end? I honestly started preferring front end more recently, um, JavaScript, React, but I'm not gonna take anything away from back end because I really enjoyed the time. Um, I was learning Ruby when I was at bootcamp and Ruby's just such an easy language. It just made it like simple to kind of understand and kind of start off. So what is the one learning resource that has been the most impactful? Does it have to be one? No. Uh, honestly, Scrimba. Yes, it has to be one. <laughs> <laughs> Scrimba is going to be it. Um, I mean, besides that, the bootcamp. I would say Scrimba and bootcamp were the two big definitions of you know where I'm at now. So the bootcamp was called Actualize, right? Yeah, Actualize. Johnny, what is your favorite technology at the moment? My favorite technology, I'd say that I was getting into was React, but at the moment I'm all into Angular, mostly because um, I had to shift gears for my new job, my new career. So they were all Angular. And so I had to pick that up and I've been doing a lot of projects with Angular. What about a technology you'd like to learn next? I've kind of had some experience with React. I've had some experience now with Angular. There are some things in Vue um, that I kind of have to look through at work as well. So I want to I wanna learn Vue. I want to see kind of what the differences and you know between all of them and kind of get my own opinion about it what music do you like to code to as a dj <laughs> you know because of the podcast i was like let me try you know lo-fi i keep hearing it so i started trying i started looking up hip-hop and the pop lo-fi on apple music but obviously i'm a dj so i go to mixcloud and that's kind of where a lot of the you know djs post their all their mixes all their blends and all their shows and podcasts that they have so so that mixcloud is probably one of my one of my favorites nice yeah i used to really rate mixcloud as well because you get those 60 90 minute mixes they blend together that really coincides I think with a coding session sometimes. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about how you got this specific opportunity. I had five interviews prior to this last one, right? And, you know, the five interviews came out of LinkedIn applications and, you know, it was like turned down and one of them, I had like three interviews, but, you know, there was just someone that had a little bit more experience than me. It was just kind of an ongoing thing. And what I ended up doing was kind of just taking the bits and pieces of each interview, putting in like a notepad and just kind of like stuff that I didn't get or understand 
um, I would just look it up and just write it down and just be ready for the next interview. Right. That's really good. And I just kept building off of that. So I still have it now. And it's funny because I share it with, uh, I became a TA at my boot camp afterwards and I shared it with my team afterwards as well. But, um, funny enough, you know, let's take away a little bit from coding and let's take a break and let me go you know, hang out with my daughter. She was having a, an event, a father daughter dance. And, you know, as part of like the networking and me trying to kind of, you know, see all avenues. I just like, just talked about it, talked about what I was doing, talked about, you know, the career change that I was kind of looking to make. I mean, I was genuinely excited about it. And so I think that resonated with a lot of people when I was talking to them and I was doing it everywhere, whether it's like a neighborhood event or just like, uh, you know, my next door neighbor came in or my family members, but this particular event, father daughter dance, I was talking to another parent and, you know, I was geeking out. I was like, pull out my phone. I have my portfolio. I was like, Oh, check this out. You know, I made this, you know, this is pretty cool. And they were like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And, you know, it was just like, he was like, scrolling through and I was just explaining things and he was like, Oh, how'd you do that? And it was like, just like a genuine conversation. Right. I love that. I know. I know. And out of nowhere, and keep in mind, like the music is pounding for the kids. It was like kids bop or something, but nonetheless, it was loud. And one of the other parents, I guess, must have overheard me and just kind of went around me and he's like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, well, I was in sales. And, you know, at the time when the bootcamp finished, um, I stopped working at that location. I just went full throttle on you know, TAing and stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'm a TA at you know this bootcamp. And, you know, I'm looking to kind of you know get a new job in software development or software engineering. These aren't projects. And I was just kind of sharing with this other parent and it just led to a conversation and he was just scrolling and kind of looking through it and he's like oh this is pretty cool and he's like well, you know let's exchange numbers you know maybe one day you know whatever you know we can talk and i was like okay sounds cool you know nothing to it i didn't think much of it because we were you know we were at a school dance and and after that it was just kind of like you know back to like pizza and chips and stuff you know so um so that was that i would say two three months later i went with my daughter to disney and i got a text Hey, do you know Angular? And I was like, whose phone number is this? I can't remember. <laughs> and then like, uh, he's like, you know, it's me. And he told, you know, told me his name, one of the other parents. And I was like, oh, hey, what's going on? And I was like, man, I, I've been full throttle on React. You know, I, I haven't really you know, spent time in Angular at all or touched anything you tell with Angular. And he's like, how about TypeScript? And I was like, man, I have not done anything with TypeScript either. You know, I've been more kind of like CSS, JavaScript, React, and, you know, HTML, kind of like what, you know, the front end development path. And so he's like, oh, okay. And I kind of like, that was it. And I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm like, you know what? But I'm like, hey, what's going on? Let me know what's up. And he's like, well, we we'll have something. It could be the contract or full time. Um, and he's like, but you know, they're looking for Angular and TypeScript. I was like, look, give me like a few days and circle back with me. I would love to kind of just, you know, at least get a chance to interview or something like that. So he, I think he just gave me the chance right there. He's like, all right, look, let's put something together. Um, you know, read up on it. Let's, let's just talk, you know, what your you know, current like path has been and what you've done. And, you know, we'll set up an interview for like a Thursday or something like that. And this was Thursday before that. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this as soon as I get home and completely forgot that my wife and I were also invited to a wedding in, in Texas. So we had a flu for the weekend. So I was trying to like juggle things around. But when I came back on Monday and I, you know, I jumped on Scrimba, I was like, well, you know, how can I learn TypeScript with fast? And I saw that Scrimba had one of the courses, uh, I think it was Anya. Yeah. Anya Kapow. Yeah. And she had TypeScript. So I went through that on Monday. I went through the whole course on Monday. Tuesday, I found some YouTube content on Angular. And then Tuesday night, I was just kind of trying to figure out both, right? just like doing random stuff. 
on Wednesday, I was like, oh man, I have one more day left to talk about this. On Wednesday, I went ahead and just like, I was like, the best way to like learn is just to just start a project, right? Like not just like reading and stuff like that. So let me just go ahead and start a project. I figured I was like, why not just like make something that my company will relate to, right? And the company that I work for um, now, and I, I can tell you a little bit about later on, but it's uh, it's the Hilton Grand Vacations. And I decided to make a kind of a landing page for like a hotel booking site. And I made it in Angular and TypeScript and I deployed it on Netlify and I just pushed it out. And Thursday, I was like, I'm going to shoot my shot again, right? I was like, um, you know, we're jumping in the interview and ended up being a code review. And I showed them my uh, app that I had made. And then we ex- I explained them kind of what my process was and learning like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday the project. And now we're here. Could they assign you a task or were you just showing an initiative? They didn't assign me a task. All they said, just uh try to catch up on angular but we'll we'll just talk about your past type of thing <laughs> oh so if you could come and like talk about angular and typescript and just show that you've been proactive they, they probably would have taken that really well yeah and so you know i was like obviously nervous about it and so i, I was like i need to do something that's going to make an impact you know and that's just me i guess going from like five interviews where i kind of like ah i know that stinks you know turned down and I was like, well, there's nothing wrong with just making the project and hopefully I can present this project, you know, because what I've learned most of the time is in the interviews that I had already, you know, everyone was reviewing my GitHub and my projects. So I was like, why not just have that project like forefront on top in my portfolio already? You know, they can see the code and I can just talk about it and that can be the first one because it's the Hilton Grand Vacations and the project I made kind of relates to that. So that was just like my thought. I don't know. <laughs> I think you respond with that line of thinking. How did the interview go? It was great. It was a code review. Um, we went through my code, kind of like, uh, you know, how I thought about certain things, like the styling. It was like a conversation, you know, which is kind of cool. There was no whiteboarding or anything like that. I was like super afraid of that part of it, and even though I've practiced it and all that stuff, but you're never too comfortable with it. So I was very, very, very happy that um, it was a code review. And then, you know, there were some follow up questions like considering they had an expectation that you were not someone mega familiar with typescript or angular what were the things you thought and found that they judged you on well i think it was you know that conversation at that school dance like honestly like i was like super excited about just the portfolio that i made and all the little projects that i had you know that i think that showed especially when i when you know when that pairing came out and it was like oh cool let me look at that not knowing that they worked for a company you know and he was part of a development team so it was just i think he saw kind of my whole career, right? Like that passion and that motivation, that dedication, especially with like all the activities that I have. And, you know, I just, I felt like that was like just huge. Like that helped out a lot. Don't get me wrong. I 100% agree with that. I think that's very, very important. But let me just ask the hard question, I suppose, which is that they are interviewing you to code as well, right? So was there an element, do you think, of needing to prove your coding skills also? Yeah, there was. You know, I definitely did, uh, like I said, did some code review and explanations of like other formats and ways. While at the same time, you know, they already knew, I guess, where I stood in Angular at the time. One of the questions that they did ask is, how long did it take you to put that project together first? I was like, what do you mean? Well, all together, if you were to say, you, you said Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you did this project. Like, how long did it take you? And I was like, maybe, well, I would say after reviewing TypeScript, reviewing Angular, I would say maybe like seven, eight hours is what I told them or something like that. If I put it all together, you know, I wasn't counting like my activities, like with my kids or anything like that. The full day, it was like the hours that I spent on day, the hours that I spent on Tuesday. And when I said that seven, eight hours, there was like a, huh, 
okay, I don't know if they saw the dedication in that or they just saw like, okay, if we need, you know, Johnny to, you know, figure out a task or figure out, you know, a new technology, like himself to do this. Because you can learn quickly. Exactly. And I think that was the thing. And I think that's what I learned from, you know, the bootcamp as well and Scrimba from a lot of the podcasts. Like coding is learning all the time. I mean, you're never going to be a hundred percent, you know, so on it, you, you can be really good at it, but you know, things always change. And I've already come to kind of agree with that. I think that was another reason was, was how fast I can learn and can I teach myself. Did you feel optimistic they would extend you an offer? I did. Well, Maybe I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> it's because like, you know, you have like five interviews and you get turned down and you think you're good. You know, you're feeling like, like oh, this was great. And then it was like, oh, sorry, you know, you know, thank you for applying type of thing. And, you know, so I was like, yes no, but there was this like strong feeling like, okay, you know, I, I felt good. The interview went well. You know, I had a project in place. Some of the questions, you know, I thought my answer were great. Again, it came out of uh, I guess a referral, you might want to call it, right, from the parent over there um, at the dance. So I, I, all these things were like to me, like this is it type of thing. Like this is, you know, this has to be it. The conversation went well. Soft skills is always important too. So I, I always try to keep a level of communication and, you know, between us in terms of like, uh, you know, I, I hate how, what do you call it? Like blank spaces or white spaces or just like when nobody, you know, when people stop talking. I would have thought you're pretty great at filling those after your experience in sales. Right. When that happened in the code interviews and stuff like that and with interviewing, I just tend to like ask a question. Um, relating to the company, you know, because I've researched most of the companies I interviewed. And so I was like, let me make sure I just put this in and that would fill in gaps and make it less uncomfortable for everyone. And I think we made great conversations out of that. Tell me a little bit about how the job offer reached you. Did they phone you? Did they email you? What was your reaction? I got a phone call um, that same day. I mean, I was just waiting, you know, you know, you never know when it's going to come in. And I was just waiting and waiting and I got a phone call and it was like, Hey, Johnny, this is, you know, so-and-so from home vacations. And in my mind already, I was like, well, they're going to tell me yes or no <laughs> you know, type of thing. And I was just like waiting for it. I remember I locked myself in the room. I have a little Yorkie dog. So he, like, he would bark and like, he was just going nuts and I closed the room and I, you know, anxiety is building in and and then they're like, you know what, uh, how did the interview go? And I was like, I felt like it went pretty good. Um, they're like, well, yeah, I could agree. You know, um, I heard some good stuff from the team. And so I want to extend you an offer to be our engineer. And I was like, wow. And I, I, I mean, it wasn't like, wow, honestly, that was like me being just cheesy right now. <laughs> you know, I kind of like opened the door. Like as soon as I hung up, I was like, oh, my God, I got it. You know, like freaking out and might have been a little bit of tears just because like, you know, you think about all that stuff from before you know, sales and can I make it and can this happen, you know, and you got validation. Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, just I took a chance and luckily and thankfully, I'm very grateful um, that you know, all the work paid off. I know that you got rejected during a few interviews before this one. How did it feel in comparison to get the offer? Getting rejected, uh, it's like you question like a lot of the stuff that you've done. Like, am I really like suit for this? Like, you know, should I go back to sales? Cause I was really good at sales, you know, type of thing. And you know, all these thoughts kind of go through your head. 
I said it a few times and it's just a real thing, you know, in, in the podcast. And that's that imposter syndrome. Like you just question about it. Like, is this something that, you know, you're really going to be good at doing? Like, can you do this? Like luckily with support and community discord too, well, you know, on the Scrimba channel, like I had some conversations with a few people and it's just like, you see some of those stories and it just pushes, you know, like, all right, you know what, I'm going to do this next one. And, you know, I'm going to do this next one, but definitely in terms of like the feeling and the vibe, different ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. Like you were doubting if you needed a degree or not. You were doubting to some extent if you could do it. And you were also doubting, and understandably, very much so, that you might have made a mistake having left sales, in which you were very successful. What motivated you to push past those doubts? Yeah, you know, and you brought up a good point. The degree was a thing that was just haunting me as well. Um, like, do I need this? And it's like, I can't be that an engineer or a software engineer without it. Um, so that did haunt me for a long time and probably delayed me in, you know, going through some of the, you know, my path on there. Um, I think the biggest motivator for me, well, there's two community and my family, the bootcamp community, the scrimba community, anytime like, you know, a bad interview came in play, um, my instructor over at the bootcamp, like I would just reach out and be like, man, this is what I did. These are the questions. Like we just kind of reviewed stuff. And I was like, called her and, and bugged her. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I guess I needed that validation. And I would just call to kind of see, you know, what did I do wrong? What was like here? And, and she really pushed me. She really pushed me like, no, just keep doing it. Jot down what you didn't understand. And that's kind of where my note thing started, you know, and I built up on that. Um, and in my family, my kids, you know, like I said before, one of the biggest things was for me was making a difference, making a change, like being impactful. And I wanted my kids to see me in that way as well. Not that sales doesn't have that, but, you know, I, I made a, a cool little like card flipping game for my daughter and like she, it blew her mind. How old is she? She's six. <laughs> She's six years old. And she just loves it, you know, and she was playing with it. And just to see her play with it, like to me, that was like super cool because she spent like 45 minutes playing this little game, a card game matching game that I made with Disney characters. I was like, that's amazing. Did she understand that you coded it? At first she didn't, <laughs> but then like I had her like do some code for, for me. Um, I was trying to imitate like a drum pad sound um, on just like a random practice thing that I was doing. And I was like, go ahead and put this in here. And I started kind of making her like, this is a, a button. Let's create a button. And she's like, oh, you actually make these? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, you know, and she's kind of started getting it at that point, you know, like, oh, that's what he does. I mean, the way she says things, it's funny, right? It's like, uh, he's like, yeah, he's doing that software engineer thing upstairs. <laughs> so he just makes me laugh, but she gets it. And, you know, she likes what I do. And she just tries to add stuff like, can you make me this now? And I was like, I will. But you should feel very proud, I think, because I mean, every day kids consume stuff, right? Whether it's content or an app or a toy. And if you try and explain physics to them or something or maths, they're not really going to get that, I don't think. But to let them sort of play with the code and see the output, I think that's a very like impactful seed to plant in a kid's brain because it gives them confidence, you know, like if they get the chance to go deeper into something like that in the future, it's not a foreign idea to them because, you know, their dad does it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I wanted to make sure, you know, like you said, plant that seed and ever explore you know that stuff so i didn't have that growing up and we didn't have that i guess growing up it wasn't like popular you know <laughs> to be like oh look coding you know back in the day so johnny thank you so much for taking the time to tell us your story i, I recognize as well that you've been like mega transparent in the way that you've uh, explained both your feelings and, and the path you know the highs and the lows and that makes you the best kind of guest i think and i i think you recognize this from having listened to some episodes this is where we get the most value right and sort of having the shared experience and knowing that 
despite the challenges, it can be done. I truly appreciate it. And like I said, a little, little starstruck right with you on here. <laughs> Johnny, thank you so much, mate. That was the Scramble Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you made it this far, subscribe. We are a weekly show and there's a new episode every Tuesday. The show is hosted by Alex Booker and I'm Jan, the producer. You can find both of our Twitter handles in the show notes. See you next week. <laughs>